Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. Waylon, come here. Come up here. <laughs> it's going to be the opening. Okay. Take a seat. You oh both. My goodness. Thank you. They want peanut butters. <laughs> I love how you can see this right now. <laughs> this is a terrible idea to have peanut butter in front of my face at this moment. <sighs> they are both just so focused. Mm-hmm. So there may be some dog noises um, today, folks. Um, so deal with it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. deal with it. <laughs> By some, we mean a lot. Yeah. A lot of dog noises. Little puppies. Because we're watching puppies. Yeah. You're watching puppies. Yeah. Waylon, stop. <laughs> so this is Hank, also known as Hank the Tank <laughs> and Hanky Pank. Uh, and most recently i have been saying mr hankleton <laughs> for some reason i don't know <laughs> i don't know how that came about it just kind of came out of my mouth one day <sighs> it's like hello mr hankleton <laughs> oh i love puppy nicknames because they devolve into just basically like nonsense that doesn't even have anything to do with their name i know and so hank is our friend's dog and she also works with us mm-hmm. and so she'll bring him to work and he stays in her office during the work day wow a good boy yeah so we're we're lucky enough that we get to see hank anytime we want to oh baby boy i'm having a stressed day i just open her door and i'm like hey where's your dog <laughs> just want to pet him real quick <laughs> yep all right so episode 12 for an episode 12. 12. Yeah. Good for us. Um, we did it. I came back from Maui. I did not get quarantined. Most Good importantly. Um, it was actually really easy to get through um, as long as you had the right test. They were just like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> so, so you still had to test even though you're vaccinated? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can still get it if you're vaccinated and you can still right. transmit it. So I understand, but, um, it is kind of annoying, but they said once Hawaii gets up to 70% vaccination, then, um, they will open up to everybody. Mm. And while we were there, they just put a bandaid out on the eighth that 
or they weren't going to require testing. Sorry. Gotcha. going to require testing. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> we had just waited like two more weeks. We could have just yeah. not dealt with it. But I mean, it was, an- it's not really the worst thing to do though. It's just go get yeah. a test. And yeah, I mean, it. right. And it happened. We, we had a great time. Yeah. Um, so we were there for two weeks. We kind of went all over the Island. Um, we went, to uh did the road to hana which is like kind of a secluded um mostly native hawaiian community on the eastern side of the island and it's a two-hour road trip with like all these beautiful like waterfalls and overlooks and beaches and stuff um that you can do mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun but i'm very glad that we decided to stay in hana itself because most people just try to do the trip like in a day and it's just crazy packed with people I'm sure um on the road and like it's hard to even get to see some of this stuff and do some of this stuff so I'm like glad that that we decided to do that because like the first day we were driving kind of with everybody else it was crazy (laughs) it's just like oh my god (laughs) so many people yeah a lot of dumb people Yeah, that don't know how to fucking drive on mountain roads. So that was really great. Um, And then we went to Upcountry, Makawao, which is kind of like their, it, I mean, it's, it's like cattle country, cowboy country, basically. Mm -hmm. So we went horseback riding and then we went up to. um, That's fun. Yeah, it was cool. And then we went up to Haleakala which is the say that five times fast I, I <laughs> practiced um because like when I first was saying it I was calling I was saying hakea call or some shit like that. yeah that's a tongue twister yeah geez Haleakala. so that's the volcano that formed Maui basically and okay dormant but the last eruption was like in the 1700s um so you can go up there and see it and it was really cool. Um, and I looked this up because I'm annoying, mm-hmm. right? So everybody thinks Everest is the tallest mountain in the world, but that's only if you're counting from sea level, right? If you're counting from the base of that, uh, the big Island on Hawaii mm-hmm. to the top of Mauna Loa, it is actually the tallest mountain in the world. If you count the whole Island. So, right. So Maui is the next one kind of in line. And so I was trying to figure out if it is as tall or taller than Everest. And it's not quite as tall as Everest. And I was like, oh, (laughs) could have had it. (laughs) Um, So I looked that up because I'm annoying. Um, And then we went uh, to the Western side and we went diving um, yeah, all of those photos look great. And that guy that you guys kept tagging who took mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah. That I was like, shout out to him. Cause those are great photos. Yeah. Um, um, so he was our refresher dive guy. Cause we had to mm-hmm. get a, a refresher dive cause we haven't dove in, you know, a while. Um, and so he took us out to like some shore dives and he, um, said that he's never, or he hasn't seen water quality that good or visibility that good in those areas all years. Um, and we just happened to go on a really good day. So that was yeah. Cool. And, uh, he was basically like, Hey, um, just 
pay me $50 and you can have all these pictures. And I was like, uh, hell yeah. Sure. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. So that's why we have all those really cool pictures, which is really nice. Um, his name is Johnny Matthews. Um, Oh, I was just getting on Facebook to look that up. Yeah. Shout out Johnny Matthews. Yeah. So, um, that was really cool. But so guess what? What? You told me not to have a survival story. Oh, God, Jillian, what happened? <laughs> Is this Corey's toe? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a little cut. That was nothing. Don't I you love how was... he posted that, though? I know. He's like, blood has been drawn. <laughs> yes. Um, I got stabbed by a, an umbrella, but that's not the story I'm going to tell. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, God. So... It's our second day of diving. We're going and doing like an offshore dive site. Um, so the one we are going to is called Milwaukee. It's this little crater that's like kind of in between two of the, the main islands. And um, there's like, it basically looks like a half moon. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool reef. Um, visibility is always really good there. So we went dove there it was about a 65 foot depth so not super deep but not really shallow either um and I was of course worried about my ears because I have a lot of problems equalizing when I'm going down um, right it just takes me a lot longer specifically in this um what is this my right ear yeah my right ear um has more problems than my left for whatever reason I'm sorry I'm dyslexic and I'm looking no, at you're myself right. I was like it looks like the left on me so it's gotta yeah, be the right. right on you <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so we go down we have a great dive it's beautiful it's fun it's great um but before we dove, um they were going around asking everybody how much weight that they wanted to have and I usually put on a lot of weight because I'm pretty buoyant for some reason. Um, so I have to have a lot, I've always had to have a lot of weight, um, but I haven't dove that deep in a while. And so I let this person convince me that I didn't need as much weight because the weight of the water would be pushing me down. And I'm like, Uh, well, you know, you know, you do this all the time. So maybe, maybe I'll just, yeah, we'll see how someone and the whole dive, it was fine. Until the end, we kind of turned to go back to the rope to go back up. And did you um, need to have a safety sock? Yeah, we had one safety sock. Okay. But I did not have that safety sock. God. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, Roommate's home. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody freak out. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, we're going back towards the rope. I think what happened was I got pushed up by a current or something because all of a sudden I start skyrocketing up to the surface oh. and everything that I am doing is not helping. So like there was no air in my BC. So yeah. that wasn't, the, that wasn't an issue. Um, I tried using breathing to get myself down. Right. I tried like actually just swimming down. Problem was everyone around me was too busy looking at this moray eel 
<laughs> to notice that I was floating away. <laughs> so you're just like, hey guys, come help. It's right. like, hey. Yeah, you can't <laughs> shout underwater. So how are you going to get people's attention? Yeah. Oh so, gosh. And they're just like, hey, look at this cool eel. <laughs> eventually somebody sees me, but at that point, I'm like all pretty much all the way up at the surface. Right. Um, so the the dive like leader comes up to me and um I'm pretty pissed at this point because I'm I, like, I missed yeah. a safety stop, like Dangerous. not very happy about it, but I, you know, still thinking it's my fault. It's my fault. I'm dumb. I'm a bad diver. Um turns out I didn't have enough weight, and that was probably part of the problem yeah I didn't realize that it was a current because I didn't really feel a current when I was just floating up yeah um and so she was talking to me and was like she was like do you think you could go back down I was like I don't know (laughs) we're gonna find out yeah so um she brings me back down to like the safety depth and then Corey by this point had realized what was going on so he came up with me and then we went to surface and I was I was pretty mad at myself for the whole thing but honestly like there Probably was just nothing. because like you didn't have enough weight well um because I thought that there was something that I could have done to prevent it um, um and no. but like yeah so at the time I didn't realize it might have been a current and now I'm thinking okay it might have been a current but yeah. honestly you know I learned some stuff I learned that I know my body and I just need to tell people and be assertive about it. Yeah. Um, Corey learned he's maybe be a little bit more watchful as a dive buddy. Uh. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm always looking around for him, but he likes yeah. to wander off and go chase fish. So, so we're yeah. you know, learning how to be dive partners together. And um, that but. I'm also, I also learned that like, you know, and I, I was, I was really stressed out at the time because I thought it was a really bad thing, but it's, you know, not all dive mistakes are going to be this big, terrifying, fatal thing. And it's okay. Yeah. And we weren't that deep, you know, that I would have gotten the bends or anything. And honestly, I don't know that I want to dive, you know, super deep in that kind yeah. of situation. So, so yeah. as a, a learning experience. <laughs> I just keep like the image I have in my head is you like slowly drifting back to the surface and everyone is just like, oh, look at this cool eel. I'm like taking photos of it. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) And I'm like waving my arms like, yeah, like Like, screaming into your BC like, oh, yeah, yeah. So um so yeah so little little baby uh screaming into your regulator I said you know what (laughs) I regulate I knew what she meant so a little you know baby accident I wasn't hurt no one was hurt I was more frustrated with myself than anything um yeah but whatever I did kind of screw up my ears a little bit but um not enough to make it like painful or anything so that was Mm -hmm. good but um yeah yeah that's never fun like when you're uh you have trouble equalizing. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you how like I found out the hard way that one of my like back teeth, the root goes into my sinus cavity? Ooh, no. <laughs> so and the hard way of finding that out was I was scuba diving and I couldn't equalize and it yeah. hurt like a mother. Yeah. And um, it was putting so much pressure on my tooth that it felt like I was just gonna like pop out of my face. Yeah. And I like I, could, I just had to call it because I was like, this is not fun this hurts yeah. way too much 
Yeah. I've had to come up for my dive um, because my ears were not equalizing and I didn't yeah. want to like burst an eardrum or anything like that. Cause I'd be really bad. Yeah. So I know if I know my dad's going to listen to this and going to tell my mom this whole story and then she's going to freak out and call me, but eh, whatever. But I mean, you live <laughs> to tell the tale. So everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm not hurt. So yeah. And so we, out. we tend to be really, or try to be really safety conscious, both of us when we're diving anyway, mm-hmm. and we don't really like to do super deep dives. Yeah. It's just not our thing. So, you know, I will never be like a dive master or anything like that. I am fine with my open water. And if I get scientific diving, great. But yeah, I think beyond that, I'm, you know, I just want it to be a fun thing. Yeah. Like I'm cool recreationally diving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was asked recently if I dive a lot for like the coral stuff and I was like, oh, hell no, I am not nearly as qualified as I should be for that. <laughs> like everyone that does that is very qualified. They have like scientific diving experience. They have like their dive master, like rescue diving. Yeah, like rescue diving. Yeah. They have like hundreds, if not thousands, of dives. Like, yeah. I'm like, I just want to see some fish. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can barely get my buoyancy down. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. Clearly, I have a problem with it as well. Yeah. Like, my problem is like I'll I'll sink fine like I know how much weight I need but like my BC I bought it off of one of our uh, staff members a couple years ago and I have a problem purging the the one valve like you know how you can push yeah. the one button to like inflate your BC I have a hard time with that because I feel like the hose needs to be like so up high for it to like all get out and like my arm won't go back far enough to like get it Mm. like that the way that it needs to be so then like I'll add little sips of air in to like kind of push me up or like try to like shake it out and then like (laughs) the the closer I get to the surface the more I'm just like whoop here we go (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm like that's all I want and I try to get it out and I'm like that's not what I want either like god yeah most of the time I don't even use it that's the crazy I don't use my BC at all I don't need to usually oh Um, because I'm so buoyant (laughs) oh Mm -hmm. Oh, like I don't even need it to float on the surface so you have to have a lot of weight Uh uh-huh I don't know if it's my titties, if it's my ass. I don't know if I have a lot of gas in my stomach. I like, I don't know. It's really weird. We were, we kind of found it out a little bit more. Like I can um, float and without treading water, Mm. I don't need to tread water or kick my legs to keep myself floating upright in water. That's interesting. Is that like some sort of superpower? No idea. Um, I think it should be one could be useful uh if i ever am you know on a sinking boat again yeah i'm like just <laughs> hang out conserve like, energy suck, guys <laughs> yeah um but yeah i can i can float really well so there That's you go cool. i had a you know small little diving incident but i can float good so you don't have to worry about me i got a built-in life vest they're called my boobs i think <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's just, just genetics <laughs> it's weird um because Corey sings like a rock it's really funny 
<laughs> they say opposites attract. So there yeah, you go. maybe. So how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I have no food in my house. So I'm currently eating peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, I'm getting ready to go to Orlando this week for work. So mm. the there's this event called ICAST that's in Orlando. Mm. And it is the world's largest sport fishing expo. Oh, ICAST. Yeah. 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 ICAST. So um, we partnered with the DEP, which for those people, I don't know what that means. It's the <laughs> Department of Environmental Protection. And um, we're utilizing their booth space to put our coral mobile exhibit there. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So we uh, have a shared space with them. So I'm going to be up there for the week, just kind of being the representative for our organization. And um, yeah, so it should be good there. We're going to drive up tomorrow, check in the hotel, set everything up on Tuesday, um, take everything down on Friday spend the night Friday in the hotel, leave Saturday. Yeah. Drive back. Um, six hour drive. And yeah, that's a long, it's a yeah. long drive. Yeah. And um, I'm going with our new administrative assistant. So it'll be nice to like get to know her mm-hmm. more, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Being in the car with someone for six hours. <laughs> Got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with fucking talk <laughs> yeah and i told her i was like if you have any like podcasts you listen to or audiobooks like music you want to play like you know load them up like i don't mind mm-hmm. like i've done road trips before like i know how it goes <laughs> and don't worry about how fucked up your podcasts are because i bet jillian yeah. has said worse things so <laughs> yeah i'm like I'm, I'm pretty uh non-judgmental when it comes to those things so it's all good so yeah, um, getting ready for that. That's going to be good. And then uh, I come back from that and I have um, another event with another partner. We're going to be out planting mangroves on one of the keys down Ooh, here. Yeah. I want to come. That I'm excited cool. for that. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for that. That's going to be fun. So yeah, super stoked. And then after that week, uh, it's my birthday. So <laughs> when's your birthday? August 2nd. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they were, because mine's on the 29th. Oh yeah, within a couple of days of each other. Yeah, hmm. happy birthday to us almost. Woot woot. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, so uh, old. <laughs> woot woot. I uh-huh. my my mom was like, "Are you gonna do anything for your birthday?" And I was like, "Honestly, mom, I have had so many other things at the forefront of my brain that like I have I keep forgetting that my birthday is coming up." Me too. Like I look at the calendar and I'm just I'm taking it like one day, one week at a time. And then the other day I looked at it. I was like, oh God, like my birthday yeah. is in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I was it's, like, what should I do for that? It's so bizarre when you get to this age because it's like, oh, I'm forgetting my age now. I'm forgetting how old I am. That's yes. happening to me. I'm still in yeah. my 20s. Yeah. And I really don't care that much about like we're gonna go out and do something, but it's not like I don't care anymore. Yeah, feeling old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like starting to get to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm almost 28. I should guess I should be acting a little bit more mature. That's mm. like where my mindset. <laughs> mm. I can't say that I'm like acting more mature. Like, yeah, I have my shit together. Like I have a job. I yeah. rent a house. I have a husband like, but I don't really feel more mature. Don't really have any of those things. So <laughs> <laughs> 
I rent the house. I have my shit together for the most part. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, you have your shit together and you're not an idiot at work. But, like, why why exist if you can't, like, have a good fucking time? That's I know. my kind of thing. So, hopefully, I'll stay young and dumb at heart forever. Because yeah. old people are boring sometimes. <laughs> it can be. I just, like... <laughs> What was I say? Oh, down here, I think people really lean into um, the like age is just a number mm-hmm. theory because like there's so many old people down here that are just oh, like, yeah. young at heart. Yeah. So kind of makes it hard to really think like I need to be more mature if I even well, need to be more mature. Florida is the retirement home of America. So. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> yes. Like that's that's Florida's job. It's to hold all of the crazy people and all of the old people. Yeah. <laughs> and you're stuck yeah. down there with them. <laughs> yeah, in a very remote part of it too. Yeah. It's great. All right. Well, I feel like we have chatted long enough. So do yeah. we want to jump into this? I am going to give you a little bit of a spoiler. Oh, okay. Um, oh, because it's a good spoiler. Does everyone survive? Everyone survives. Oh my God. Yay. I know I've been doing a lot of heavy hitters lately. So uh, I thought this would be a good one to kind of, you know, talk about today um, yes. as I come back um, and we jump back into this. Um, so today we're going to talk about space, which I like space like it. I think it counts as nature because it is not something that we made or control. So I think it very much fits the uh, definition, confines, whatever of this podcast. So yeah. I think we should totally include it. I can also space terrifies me kind of in the same way that capes do did you say that uh what's his face went to space recently and jeff bezos is right behind him yeah how do you feel about that um it's just it's a little frustrating because i at first i was like really interested in the private like privatizing the space (laughs) mars Mm -hmm. race or whatever just because you know, well, government's not going to fucking do anything about it because we don't care about science anymore, apparently. So why not be a, if you're a billionaire, like put funding towards science? Like, that's great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But now it's turned into a dick measuring contest, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Usual. <laughs> Which we shouldn't be surprised. Um, I still hope that, you know, SpaceX gets to Mars because that would be really cool to see in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, Just like the moon landing would have been really cool to see. Um, Yeah. So, and I feel like ever since I was a little kid, the space program has just kind of died. It'd be cool to see. It just would. Yeah, it would. I agree. Mm -hmm. And like watching it from the TV. Mm -hmm. Okay. So today um, we're going to be talking about... Uh, Apollo 13, which a lot of people have seen the movie with Tom Hanks. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that was happening kind of behind the scenes um, or not behind the scenes, but in the real story that didn't necessarily get completely portrayed in the movie. Although I will say it's pretty damn accurate. So if you've seen the movie, you know that everybody does survive this event, but that doesn't mean that this event wasn't an incredible 
survival tale in and of it. It's just amazing. Like it, it, it's another one of those mind blowing, like, how did they do it? This is insane. This wasn't the, the spaceship that blew up, was it? Well, it did, but oh, no, but everyone it, survived. <laughs> right. Part of it blew up. Um, it's not the challenger though. Okay. I was thinking of the challenger. Yeah. That one with the teacher on it. Yeah. Um, it blew up. Yeah. I actually did research that, but it's so fucking depressing. Yeah. That's not <laughs> so depressing. Not and right it wasn't, now. it was very much a humor error caused kind of thing oh, um, that really caused it to explode, but and everyone on that uh spaceship died um yeah so yeah we won't be talking about the challenger <laughs> gonna bring bring it up bring it yes, up for Haley. let's talk about lives and let's living we'll talk about living so apollo Thanks. 13 was a mission i was part of a series of mission that put the man on the moon um so apollo 11 was the one with um neil armstrong and buzz aldrin um And that's the one where they landed on the moon in 1969, being the first humans to ever step foot on, on the moon. Um, One small step for whatever. (laughs) 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 One giant leap for mankind. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That, so that was Apollo 11. So we are now two missions later, Apollo 13, but it is part of that same kind of group. Um, So by the time that the Apollo 13 mission was happening, um, we had already landed on the moon. Um, And at this point, America was actually asking to shut down the space program because, well, was the fucking point of space travel and science and space? We got to the moon. That's all that mattered. We beat the Russians. Right. Mm -hmm. So who cares? It's almost like not caring about science has been this country's national pastime. Like, you know, like yeah can't teach an old dog new tricks that's all i gotta say so it's kind of apropos that we have billionaires um trying to uh beat each other into space you know because that's all the space race was space race was was a dick measuring contest between the u.s and the soviet union <laughs> yeah so you we know can get there first mine's bigger and better and actually, Russia did more of the firsts than we did. We just decided landing on the moon was the most important one. But they were the Which first, one? like, they were the first to have a human orbit, you know, the Earth. They were the first to put a man into space. They were the first to put a woman into space, you know. So they have all these other boxes checked, and we're just the first to get to the moon. We just got the one box. We just got the one box. So that means we win, right? that's um, funny that yeah. i did i did not realize any of that but that's yeah. really funny actually <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so um the apollo 13 launch barely made waves on tv um when it launched on april 13th in 1970 and that was literally just a year after the moon landing But what happened after basically changed the course of space travel as we know it. So the mission was kind of strife with bad luck from the beginning. For one, um, the crew that actually ended up going on the mission was actually the backup crew, more or less. Hmm. Um, So originally they were trying to get Alan Shepard, who was an astronaut from the Mercury mission days, 
um, when we were just trying to launch a dude into space and orbit the earth. And he was supposed to be the commander. Um, but like a few months before the launch, NASA management decided that he didn't have enough training as he had just come back to active status after a surgery on an inner ear disorder. It's all about those ears. Um, so, so that meant that the backup team who had gone through the same training that the main team did was slotted to walk on the moon, which is really exciting for them. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure when they like found out they're the backup team, they're like, Oh, we'll never have a chance. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the team consisted of Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes and Ken Mattingly. So Jim Lovell was uh, played by Tom Hanks in the movie. Um, He was 42 years old. Um, He was married with several kids and he was the mission commander. Um, He flew with the Gemini program before flying on Apollo 8, which became the first spacecraft to orbit the moon. Um, Fred Hayes was the lunar module pilot who was 35 years old with a fucking bachelor's in aeronautical engineering because back then a bachelor's meant something. (laughs) That's so crazy to me. Um, uh, He was also a former Marine Corps fighter pilot and a civilian research pilot for NASA before selected to be in the Apollo program. And he had never gone to space, so he's brand new. Mm -hmm. Um, Ken Mattingly was slated to be the command module pilot Um, But literally two days before the launch, he came in contact with someone who had the measles. Oh, yeah. So he couldn't go. Yeah. So basically his moon landing dreams, at least with the Apollo 13 mission were over. He was he was out, which is so measles like like, get vaccinated, right? Get fucking vaccinated. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) get vaccinated. (laughs) Just do it. Um. So NASA pulled him and switched him out with Jack Swigert, or sorry, Swaggart. Um, and he's played by Kevin Bacon in the movie. So nice. <laughs> so you can get a visual. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he was a 38-year-old bachelor with um, another bachelor's in science and mechanical engineering, but he also had his master's in aerospace science um, and served on the Air Force. And he had also never flown in space. Um, And then mission control was led by Gene Krantz, who was an ex-fighter pilot and a veteran of the Apollo program, who started each mission wearing a white waistcoat that his wife had made for him. So he's the guy basically on the ground. He's he's Houston, right? Mm -hmm. In Houston, we have a problem. Yes. Yeah. Which that is this movie, by the way. That's this movie. Oh, Houston, (laughs) we have a problem. Yeah. We'll talk about that line, actually. Perfect. Um, yes. <laughs> I got all of the deets. Like it's sitting here in Texas, too. <laughs> I know. Um, the interesting thing is they launched, though, from Cape Canaveral in Florida, but it's controlled. Uh, it was controlled by uh, the NASA in Houston, which is interesting. Huh. Yeah. So they didn't actually launch anybody in Houston. If all the launching was in Cape Canaveral. That's, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't know why I should look into that. Um, yeah. One of my friends works for NASA. I should just ask him like, yo, Bryce, why, uh, why are you guys doing this? <laughs> I don't know what they do now. I'm sure 
because everything is so different now um, than it was during like this golden age of the space yeah. program. So I don't know. I see on his Instagram stories all the time, like all the rocket launches and stuff. I'm like, man, that's so cool. You get to do that for work. You just like walk out. You're like, oh, rocket launch today. <laughs> like, it's so cool. <laughs> it is cool. It is really cool. Um, so each astronaut underwent a thousand hours of mission specific training, um, which was more than five hours for every hour of the planned 10 day mission that makes sense. Wait, can you repeat that? So they had a thousand hours of training, Mm -hmm. which meant that they trained for five hours for every one hour they were actually going to be in space flight. Oh yes. That does make sense. Yes. Wow. Yeah. A lot of training. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, they, they, uh, they take it uh, pretty seriously, which I don't blame them. So I, you know, that, that amount of training is probably half the reason why they survived this in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're very aware of, you know, all of the possible issues. Um, so the whole goal of this mission was to, and I quote, perform selen, oh God, selenological that just means moon inspection, <laughs> survey, and sampling of materials uh, in a pre-selected region of the Fra Mauro formation. Deploy and activate an Apollo lunar surface experience package. Develop man's capability to work in the lunar environment and obtain photographs of candidate exploration s- sites. Basically, what this meant is that they were going to land the lunar module on an area of the moon called the Fra Mauro crater, which was believed to contain material that would give information about the moon and earth's like early history. Okay. Um, so the plan was for Lovell and Hayes to make uh, two four hour uh, surface um, extravehicular activities or EVAs um, once to set up the scientific instruments including a seismograph um, and then also like obtaining core samples. And then secondly, to investigate the cone crater near the landing site and collect samples. So it was all geared for scientific research, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the goal and that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) What was that uh, saying that I had a couple episodes ago? It's like, make the plan, like execute the plan expect the plan to go off the rails yeah throw, yeah. The, throw away the plan <laughs> throw away the plan <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> um so the ship that would take them there was the saturn v rocket oh that's five saturn five i can't read <laughs> roman numerals what are fucking roman numerals oh tell me you're hungover without telling me you're yeah. hungover <laughs> oh my god the funny thing saturn is v- i I would have done that, like, if I wasn't, so. (laughs) Saturn V rocket, which was almost identical to those used on Apollo 8 through 12. So the damn thing looks like an actual, honest-to-goodness rocket, which is much different than those space shuttles that we are, you know, more familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you go to the pictures... (laughs) You can see on the second page, uh, on the first page, that's the crew. Um, bunch of good looking guys. Bunch of good looking white dudes. Yeah. Cuties. Um, and then on the second page, you can see the rocket 
and the module diagram. So the module is literally what they would be riding around in space after all of the rockets dropped off. And it's literally what's at the very tippy top of this entire big ass rocket. Just the tip. Just the tip. <laughs> name of name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Just the tip. <laughs> God. Um, so basically is made up of several components, including fuel cells and rocket boosters that would fall off during launch at the command module that's called the Odyssey. And this is where they would control the flight of the mm. mission. And it's the only part of the ship that would actually return to Earth. Everything else drops off at some point. Um, they also had a lunar module, which is called the Aquarius, which would land them on the lunar surface and give them 33 hours of working time while there. So, time out. Mm-hmm. This large rocket mm-hmm. really only transports that uh, module. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. That's how much fuel you need to get your ass into space. I think it's different now. Uh, I think it might be a little bit, you don't need as much, but yeah, you know, originally we were going to space. That's kind of what you had to do. So why have I always thought that like, (laughs) this is so dumb, (laughs) but why have I always thought that the rocket was that big because they needed that much space for like all the motherboards and things. Mm -mm. It's literally like mostly fuel. It's because like they make it seem that way in movies and TV they do, shows. They do and they're like yeah. zero gravity floating through like the hallways and they're like in this spaceship. Yeah. Well, and, and and like in futuristic movies, they do have more space because they're often living on those. You yeah. Know. But no, they were literally only going to be on it for 10 days. So yeah, it's God. very small. It's very small. Wow, I'm an idiot. I <laughs> no, did know. I did know that like this, like they did like, you know, push a module up and things fell off. And like, there was like a yeah. small part that came back. I did know that, but yeah. I don't know why. I just always thought that that whole rocket had mm-hmm. all that space in it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, it's like all fucking fuel and stuff. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a uh, space travel is weird, man. And the funny thing too is, and I think, I don't know if it was th- these missions or, uh, maybe earlier missions, but all of the technology that is in the module, the rocket, all of that stuff has less computing power than our phones do now. Literally. Yeah. We went to space with less computing power than our phones have. That's fascinating. Yeah. So (laughs) just, it's a you know, old and rickety. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be viewed as old and rickety now if you knew anything about that kind of technology. Right. So really, really crazy that we even managed to get up there in the first place. Um, Why old? Yeah. So we have the command module, the Odyssey, the lunar module, the Aquarius. And then there was also a service module, which kind of stored things like oxygen, fuel for to power them um, to the moon, things like that. Um, And that was literally Mm -hmm. all that they had. Um, And so... Basically, um, they were, you know, set to be in space for 10 days. And the launch was, I kid you not, at 1.13 or 13.13 p.m. on April 13th. Did they do that on purpose? 
which was I believe was a Friday. Isn't 13 a bad number? <laughs> it is a bad number. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this apparently was entirely a coincidence um, set by orbital mechanics. There and- are no such things as coincidences. <laughs> it was the devil. <laughs> it was the devil. <laughs> apparently. Oh, Apparently, it was entirely coincidence set by orbital mechanics and space physics uh, that were set in order to ensure that they had the most successful space mission. I mean, like, girl, I'm superstitious, but like, come on. And it's Apollo 13. So it's Apollo 13. They launched 1313, the 13th, which I believe was also a Friday. Yeah, that's not good. Uh-uh. Like, yeah, yeah. you should have <laughs> been like, hey, let's wait another minute. Just one more minute. <laughs> like, literally. Just a literally one more <laughs> So the launch went off almost without a hitch. Um, but five minutes into the launch, um, one of the five second stage engines cut out. The astronauts were worried they may not have enough power to get into Earth orbit and then also have enough fuel left to get to the moon. Um, but mission control in Houston decided that it would be okay as long as they didn't lose another engine. So, you know, that's great, right? Sorry, I just as long as they didn't lose another engine. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the astronauts in mission control thought that they had gotten through the worst of it, and that was their one glitch for the mission. Um, so they were like so fucking wrong. <laughs> like, so wrong on so many levels. Oh my gosh. Okay, so on April 15th, two days into the mission, and uh, 200,000 miles from home. Disaster struck when an explosion. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, dun, dun, dun. Explosion? And when an explosion rocked the ship. This is where the famous Houston, we have a problem line comes in. Um, however, mm-hmm. in real life, Lavelle actually said, uh, Houston, we've had a problem, which is infinitely oh. less Hollywood, but more of a human response. Um, but apparently later he said that he liked the way they changed it for the movie and he was fine with it. So, you know, um, and they have like all of the information on what was said between mission control and, you know, cause they, you know, print it out and save it for the records and stuff. Um, which probably didn't change much about that though. They just know the, uh, it's more uh, decisive. It's Houston. We have a problem instead of uh, Houston. We've had a problem, you know. Yeah. So it's it's Question also mark? yeah. It's like I don't know what the fuck's happening. Um, it's like uh, Houston. I think we fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually interesting. I was watching um, some stuff about this, and in the Hollywood movie, there's a lot more high emotion running between the characters or the real life people but in the movie played by actors because Hollywood needed more of that like intensity but in real life they had to be very calm and collected and emotionless dealing with these problems so when you listen to um, what you know the actual exchanges between you know astronauts and mission control it's a lot more like uh we got a problem we're gonna go check it out you know like it's more of a you know hey there's something going on yeah it's it's interesting um So both Mission Control and the astronauts were momentarily stunned as they didn't know what had actually happened. Moments before the explosion, Swaggart had been asked to stir up the oxygen cryo tanks, which was a routine procedure to prevent pressure from building up. 
But when he hit the switch, it had resulted in this disaster. So when he switched them back on, um, it resulted in the disaster. And we'll get into a little bit of like what happened later. Um, The three astronauts described looking at a sea of debris outside the window, parts of uh, shredded thermal blanket, shrapnel, and what Fred Hayes described as frozen popcorn which was actually just frozen oxygen, but it like was round and kind of looked yeah. like popcorn. Um, at this point, the astronauts realized that they had lost the moon, um, basically that they would not be able to, you know, land on the moon, which, n- you know, none of them had ever done or may not get a chance to do again. Um, and so the mission at this point would have to focus entirely on getting the three men home. Um, they were devastated, but, really didn't have any time to dwell on this. Um, but Lovell and Hayes would have been the fifth and sixth men to land on the moon. So they lost that, you know, amazing experience and mm-hmm. we're now in a big old tin coffin and we'll get into that. So. <laughs> mm. so the explosion had occurred in the service module, which was that one that just contained fuel and oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody actually went in there and did anything in there. So they didn't like lose pressure or anything. So the lunar module and the command module had been untouched. Otherwise all three of them would have died immediately. Oh God. Yeah. Um, so these, real bad. Uh, right. <laughs> the explosion occurred in an oxygen tank, leaving a hole in the side of the service module that was leaking oxygen from the cryogenic tanks to this point was their very source of life. Um, O2 in super cold liquid form was also important for producing electricity, making water, um, as the oxygen was combined in hydrogen and fuel cells. So as the oxygen leaked away, all of the fuel cells also shut down. Um, There was no training or simulations that NASA had for the situation, um, especially when the astronauts were currently halfway to the moon. that for them yeah super fun right yeah um so the initial expectation was if this happened then the astronauts would just die in space (laughs) sorry yeah but they didn't no oh wow they still have communication yeah so nasa is going to work the problem um so flight commander Krantz and mission control weren't going to give up that easily. They quickly scrambled to put together a survival plan that involved the ship continuing towards the moon using the velocity that it already had from the launch and then using the moon's gravity to slingshot the ship back towards Earth. Okay. Um, which is something that is used a lot in sci-fi, especially like with, you know, Earth space exploration. Mm-hmm. Um so basically they're using the orbit of the moon to bring them around the moon and shoot them back towards earth, which is physics and hard and math. And I understand conceptually it, that it works, but you know, I don't understand all the specifics, but it's cool that we can do that. Um, so the service and command module, however, would have to be shut down to save power and to save whatever fuel and battery life they had left because they still had to, once they got to the earth, uh, break through Earth's atmosphere and break out of the orbit to get down to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, so they still had to use some power for that. So the crew would then have to move into the lunar module, which would now serve as a sort of a lifeboat or life raft um, and do things that it was not designed to do. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about how like a lot of our stories has had um, lifeboats or mm-hmm. life rafts mm-hmm. that aren't designed to do with yeah you <laughs> need to do for the situation yeah like shackleton the one yeah. pendleton it's like um, here we are again just in space <laughs> yeah just this time it's in space <laughs> so the problem was the lunar module was only designed for 33 hours of operation time on the lunar surface and they still had like days before they got to earth i think they mm-hmm. had like four days before they got back to earth or something like that yeah um so Basically, the filters that removed CO2 from the air wouldn't last that long um, because they would become oversaturated. So that was their concern. Okay. Right. And we we learned from our uh, caving episodes that, mm, <clears throat> that, you know, much CO2 is not very good for any yes. person. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. So CO2 at that magnitude would be poisonous to humans. Uh, basically under those conditions, we lose the ability to think clearly. We be- can become unconscious within two minutes of mild CO2 poisoning um, because CO2 interferes with the blood's ability to absorb oxygen and basically causes hypoxia in the brain. So and it basically if it's too high. You just die. <laughs> yeah. Cool, so cool, cool. just get more filters, right? So you would think problem was the only filters they had were the filters for the command module and those filters were square cubes the ones on the lunar module were cylinders they literally had to fit a square peg into a round hole why does that make me think of that game when you're a kid and it's like the wooden like you know what i'm talking about it's like the wooden blocks and like (laughs) and you like pound it (laughs) Uh it's like if you just like wiggle it a little bit it gets in there (laughs) Here's my question. Why the fuck did NASA just not design universal filters if yeah. they do the same thing? That's a great question. Like, uh, hey, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you guys sh- do that? <laughs> I'm sure they're universal now. I would hope so. Um, yeah. But like, what the fuck? So Mission Control put a bunch of engineers on the problem, literally just giving them all of the things the astronauts had on board and were like, okay, make this work. Mm-hmm. So they just had a list of everything that they had and was like, go. Um, so Ed Smiley, who was the crew systems chief, figured it out using a couple of plastic bags, a hose from one of the EVA space suits, mm-hmm. duct tape, and the cardboard cover from a flight plan binder. Wait, so he's going to MacGyver something. Clearly. Oh, he's MacGyvering the hell out of something. That just proves that like duct tape can always save your life. So if you look at um, third slide, you can see the damage from the explosion. There's kind of a big old hole in that service module. And oh. then, yeah. So it wasn't like it exploded the whole thing. It just was like an explosion that burst well, out the side. Yeah. And like me and my non-space knowledge self didn't even realize that was a hole I just thought that was supposed to be there (laughs) I was like oh that must be like one of the uh sides where they do all the things on it yeah no (laughs) that was a hole got it cool yeah so then if you go to number four you can see the filter solution that our friend Ed Smiley came up with um and it literally is like let's put the filter in a plastic bag 
and tape a hole or tape a hose to it and it'll it'll be good (laughs) good enough for government work it's that's that's right so so it literally was very much macgyvered um so the plastic bag went over the canister it was taped um to um on to seal and one end of the hose was fed into the plastic bag and sucked air through the filter and it was hooked up to the lunar module filter input um it worked and it kept co2 levels down below what was deadly but for how long did it work for i feel like this didn't work for much longer it worked for the whole time oh did it Mm -hmm. that's good yeah in the movie it shows kevin bacon going into like the beginning stages of CO2 poisoning, but it never got that high um, because they would not have been able to concentrate on building the filter modification to save their lives if it had gotten to that point. Yeah. And obviously like they had to make that dramatic because Hollywood, so. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so while their CO2 levels had been lowered and surviving the, disa- the surviving the disaster was still very much up in the air, because of the way the slingshot plan worked, they had to fly by the moon, right? They had to go all the way around mm-hmm. the moon. So Lovell described the moment as the most painful moment of the failed mission because they had nothing to do but stare at the moon as they sailed by with all the time in the world to ponder what could have been. Yeah, it's a bummer. But I mean, like, aren't you thinking about how lucky you are to be alive right now, too? Like, come on. (laughs) You know, if that's your entire, like, career goal, that would be hard. Yeah. Especially because you have to sit and wait to see if you are going to survive the rest of it. That's true. Yeah. So... In the meantime, uh, conditions on the lunar capsule were getting more uncomfortable by the minute. And, ast- and the astronauts would need to be fully alert to operate what they needed to to get back to Earth when the time came. They were already fighting fatigue as they had only really gotten catnaps and had not experienced REM cycle sleep for days. Oh, God, that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> I need my sleep and that sounds terrible. Yeah. And the reason for this was because they had no source of heat because they had powered everything down. Mm. So the heat in the capsule had gotten shut down to conserve energy. And so temperature dipped to just above zero degrees Celsius in the module because space is really cold. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this just turned into an Arctic style survival story as well. (laughs) Like two survival stories in one. Uh Uh-huh. So basically they would have, probably lost dexterity due to loss of heat in their extremities it's not like they had like stuff like jackets and gloves and anything like that yeah. either. they didn't bring it with them um if they had gotten frostbite or other cold related injuries then they just would have had to continue there was no other option yeah um if their core body temperatures held then physiological issues would not kill them but the distraction of the pain of the cold would make it much harder for them to perform any focused mental task, not to mention they don't have, they're not getting sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in addition, due to the high stress they were under, they were experiencing surges of adrenaline, which would have been helpful to keep them alert, but it was also contributing um, to a potential for bad decision-making because of all the other things that were going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, Swaggart was in the command module, 
and Hayes and Lovell were in the lunar module. Um, and there was one switch that would jettison the lunar module. So Swaggart stuck a sticky note on the switch that said no to make sure that he wouldn't jettison Hayes and Lovell accidentally when adjusting controls. <laughs> no. <laughs> I need to do that for like the snacks in my house. Put a sticky note on some of them. No. <laughs> it's like crazy that you even had to do that in the first place because that's like what they were, the level of mental acuity they were functioning at. You know what I really appreciate is that this is kind of similar to, uh, this isn't because of mental acuity, but my boss on her uh, office phone has mm-hmm. a little post-it uh, sticky taped to the, the phone part. And she has written on it, control your emotions. So like every time like <laughs> she goes to answer the phone, it's like, emotions. hey, hello. <laughs> I needed to do that. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. It's also one of those things that like makes it all seem so much more human. Cause I feel like astronauts feel like larger than life kind of yeah. humans. Like I, I can't comprehend like being that smart and physically oh fit God, and I know right just able mechanically inclined like that's bonkers to me but the fact that they have to do stuff like this too I'm just like yep we're all human yeah <laughs> we're all human <laughs> I mean they're super smart I mean at least they're smart enough to put sticky notes around they're like cognizant be like I'm not in my yeah. mind I'm gonna start doing something dumb I need yeah. to get ahead of it and do this to get ahead of it like that's cool yeah that's what all the thousand hours of training was for yeah so after four days of this shit, they went on like this for four days. God bless. Yeah. They were hours away from re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. Lovell had to make a course correction in order to correct the angle of re-entry into the atmosphere. If they fucked up the angle of re-entry, the command module would either burn up in the atmosphere or bounce off into an elliptical orbit around the Earth. Which, God. which would have been way worse as they would just be in that orbit forever. And this was before we really had a, a way to get people up in, into space easily. So there wouldn't yeah. be anyone going to rescue them. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. So basically they would, if that happened, they would starve to death. Um, and, and they would basically... Uh, the command module would end up becoming their tomb and they would be floating around the earth forever. Ugh. I, oh God. Starving to death is not the way I want to go. No. That's a long death. Well, they might die of thirst first. I don't know. It depends on like what resources they had. Basically. Either way you would die of thirst or you would die of starvation and yeah. Never. Either one. I'm not a fan of. We don't need that. No. So once that course correction was made, they had to turn electrical power back on, which would use what was left of their remaining battery reserve. Odds were greater now that something was going to go wrong. And this was because the command module was never meant to be powered down. Machines that were never meant to be without heaters had now been exposed to the cold of space for days. Fortunately though, the command module powered up without a hitch. Hayes and Lovell uh, moved into the command module. Um, They first jettisoned the service module and snapped pictures of the damage, um, which was described as a huge hole in the side of the module, like something had ripped its way out. Um, And that's like the picture that you see 
um, mm-hmm. that was pictures that they took. Unfortunately, the explosion may have also damaged the heat shield, which was their only hope of getting back through the atmosphere safely. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They then had to jettison their lifeboat, which was the lunar module, and did it. And it did so much work that it was never designed to do. And they loved that little lunar module, and they watched it float away fondly because mm-hmm. it ultimately had saved their lives. Yeah. Um, then everybody all over the world stopped to watch what happened next. Oh, what happened next? So as the command module entered the atmosphere, Houston lost contact with them, which was usual, um, but they had never lost contact for that long. Usually it was only for like a minute and a half. This time they were going on minute three without hearing anything from the, Oh, yeah. Started to get a little nervous, huh? Mm-hmm. With in three minutes, they would know if they were alive or dead either way, because at some point um, the communication would link back up or they would, you know, hit the earth. So they informed the command module Odyssey that they were standing by several times over the course of a few minutes. It was very, very tense. But after about three minutes, they heard, okay, Joe over and joe Kerwin was the capsule communicator and so that was um level basically saying that they were okay yeah the dead air had been caused by apollo 13 hitting the earth's atmosphere at a much shallower angle which caused a much longer radio blackout okay that's interesting did not yeah. know that was a thing apparently i didn't know either so even inside the earth's atmosphere they were still in mortal danger the explosive charges for deploying the parachutes um, that would slow the descent of the module had been ice cold for four days, and they didn't know if they were going to perform. <laughs> God. So without the parachutes, they'd be hitting the ocean at a speed much too high to be survivable. Fortunately, the parachutes burst out right on cue. Uh, the module landed in the Atlantic Ocean, and all three astronauts were rescued from the command module and became national heroes Woohoo! everybody survived <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> oh, i just uh, the dogs up saying woohoo yes okay. they're all, all right like okay we play now we bark we bark <laughs> no <laughs> don't bark please don't do it so what was the cause of the accident yeah what was the cause nasa began investigating and discovered the tea oh spill it is it hot <laughs> The accident had been caused by an incident two weeks before the launch in Cape Canaveral. Oh, that's messed up. What happened? So it was Florida's fault. Uh, it's always Florida's <laughs> fault. Florida man. At Florida. it again. Damn Florida man. Um, during dress rehearsal, um, the techs had to empty the oxygen tank too for safety reasons. And when they switched on... Um, a heating rod in the tank to burn off the extra oxygen, the thermostat in the tank fused shut. So the tank continued to heat up long after the liquid O2 was gone. Basically, there was no heating control over, over right. the unit anymore. It, it said that they shut it off, right? Mm-hmm. On accident. Yeah. And Did then they the- like hit, hit a switch when they were replacing the thing? Is that what happened? No. Um, when they took it all out, somehow the thermostat in the tank fused shut. So the thermostat wasn't registering 
um, the liquid oxygen temperature or oh. even, so it just like jumped up basically. I thought that they like accidentally like turned something off. Mm-mm. So the intense heat burned up all of the insulation covering off of the wires in the tank and it was critically damaged before the mission even took off. Um, and so when they took or when they put the O2 back in the tank before takeoff, it was basically a bomb waiting to go off. God. Uh, so oh. when Hayes stirred the liquid O2 by turning on a small fan in the tank, the bomb exploded. Basically, sparks jumped between the fan and the heater and blew the dome off the tank. And then the insulation surrounding the tank caught on fire and then busted out of the side of the service module. Wow. Lots so that's of just how it happened. Yeah. So in response oh, to the... Yeah, yeah lots of science. <laughs> yeah, a lot of science. Science that I can't... I don't fully understand. I am not... totally going person. over my head right now. I'm like, wow, okay, that's a lot. Basically, they made a bomb. They made a bomb on accident. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. Sounds what happened. I am not a chemist. I am not a physicist. I, I don't know fuck about physics. I am really bad with mechanical things. I'm not the right... I'm a biologist, y'all. I never took physics. Talk to me about you know, living bodies and, and we can, we can, I can hash it out. So if I get any of this wrong, it's cause I am not good at this kind of stuff. It's like, should we just scrap the whole episode now? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that I tried to do my best at researching. Um, however, if it is wrong, let me know and I will correct it on a future episode. Just, you know, I'm a biologist. Remember that. <laughs> In response to this accident, uh, the Apollo program made changes, including redesigning the oxygen tanks and modifying the mission control monitoring systems to give more immediate and visible warming warnings of anomalies like this. I also would hope that they made universal filters, but I couldn't find any information on that. <laughs> Love it. So I don't actually know. Um, after the investigation, Lovell never flew in space again and retired from both NASA and the Navy in 1973 and entered the private sector. Swaggart was supposed to fly in the 1975 Apollo-Soyuz test project, which was the supposed to be the first joint mission with the Soviet Union, um, but he was removed to just some bad PR, um, which I meant to look into and then I forgot, so... Um, he left the agency to enter into politics and was elected into the House in 1982, but died of cancer before he was sworn in, unfortunately. Hayes uh, served as Capcom for Apollo 14's lunar mission, which explored the same area that Apollo 13 was supposed to go, um, but he also never flew again. Um, he was slated to become the commander of the Apollo 19 mission, um, but by then it was can't the Apollo uh, program was canceled. Um, he then retired from NASA in 1979. So none of them were ever able to land on the moon. That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, this story though, could have gone into a much darker place, but due to the combined efforts of the Apollo 13 crew and NASA engineers to work the problem, these three astronauts made it back in one piece. That is not the case with all space exploration disasters. I think the Challenger, for example. Um, but it is impressive and hopeful for the future 
um, for if these astronauts could make it back alive during a critical failure of a much less technically advanced craft, then maybe astronauts can make it to Mars, survive in the future, and work all of the future problems that we may have in space travel. Imagine if we do get to Mars in our lifetime. That's going to be so wild. Do you think that they would stay there for like a week or like on the planet? Or do you think that they would like leave? The plan is to have them there for at least a month, if not more, I think. Oh, okay. I didn't know the plan. Well, I because it takes like months to get there. Right. It's not just like the moon is like a hop, jip, a hop skip and a jump away. But yeah. But Mars is a lot further and it takes it will take months for them to even travel there. So in order to make it worth financially, time investment wise, um, they're going to have to the plan eventually, I think, is to colonize. That's the, the planet which they're, they're working on figuring out how to do. That's so wild. That's why we're like growing shit in space and trying to have animals in space see how that goes are we really Mm -hmm. oh i had no idea i thought that was all just like movie things oh yeah so fun fact um my little thesis uh fish that i worked on um when i was going to grad school the mummy chug were the first fish in space (laughs) really yeah wait get the hell out of here yeah I had no idea. That's so cute. Mummy chugs are so freaking adorable. I could totally see them being a fish in space. Yeah, because they're very adaptable, you know? Yeah. They're small. And so basically, they were trying to see how reproduction would work, how swimming would work, if they could even figure out which way is up and which way is down. Because, like, without gravity, when you're swimming, they they did. They used light. Okay. They used light to orient themselves. So that's fun to know and mm-hmm. super cool that they're that adaptable. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really have a lot of like, they didn't have adverse effects. Like they thought they might just because no gravity is kind of a situation <laughs> fish so, are never <laughs> expected to live in. Did the mummy child just pretty much get moved into space? And like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. And like, yeah. just kind of like nothing. Yeah. And then they had babies. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That's they're cool little fish. So yeah, we're trying to figure out how to make that happen and i also know that um so uh taking it back to hawaii um the i don't know if you've seen my pictures on facebook but the tops the tops of the volcanoes look a lot like mars they do yeah Yeah. so and they're pretty isolated so and they have all these uh observatories up there there's a lot of space Mm -hmm. stuff going on up there so nasa I can't remember if it's on Mauna Loa or Mauna Kea, but they had a crew pretend to be in a long-term, like living on Mars simulation. Hmm. And they lived in this like habitarium for this amount of time, having, you know, these uh, supplies, they had to put on space suits to go outside just to see how like the isolation and working with the same people and having to see in a small confined space, how it would affect them. Wow. So there's a lot of that's, stuff going on. That's so cool. To prepare for this kind of situation. Wait, I hope I get to see that. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think there's a podcast out about it, actually. I, I've been meaning to look it up because I'd, I'd be interested in hearing how it went. It's a, uh, a podcast about everything these days, I feel like. I know. <laughs> 
We're one of them. We're one of them. We're contributing to the wall of sound that you can choose to listen to or not. We yeah. hope you choose to listen because we think we're funny. So- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think I'm pretty funny. I make myself laugh. That's all that's really important. <laughs> I just think these stories are so interesting. And they are interesting. There's really not a lot of podcasts that really delve into them. Um, yeah. And yeah. I want to see us go to Mars. Let's go to Mars. Let's do it. What are you doing next week? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go. I want to hear other people do it. Yeah, I don't think I have the balls to do that. That's for sure. I'm I'm claustrophobic. So now. (laughs) I miss my dog. Right? That's the thing. It's like you have to be ready to not see your family for like a year or more. Yeah, Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. So that's all. That's that's why I will never do it. I have a husband and a dog now. I have responsibilities. Okay, he's got responsibilities. <laughs> so uh, not that we really need it this week because this was actually a pretty happy ending. But and you know, like I have honestly noticed the difference in like my well being at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> like when you just said I was like oh yeah I really don't feel like I need like a little boost right now yeah this was pretty good I'm yeah. like oh wow like yeah. yeah those other stories really do tear me down don't they yeah human survival I mean we've been doing it for thousands of years and it's something we can all relate to and unfortunately it also often ends in bad things but yeah sometimes not sometimes you can be on a Shackleton mission or sometimes you can be on Apollo 13 and you can make it back. Shackleton made it back though eventually. That's what I'm saying. You can be on his oh his crew and you can make it back. Yeah. You know? The ones or, that make it back. I like them. Or you can be one of the, you know, Thailand soccer yeah. wild boar team boys and you can make it back. Make it back. <laughs> or you can be me and just get pushed up to the surface and be fine. Make it back. Make it back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the goal here is to make it back make it back um so but if you have one um what are some of the things you're looking forward to or things <clears throat> that made you happy this week yeah things that made me happy this week uh wow what did make me happy this week i had a very full week so it's kind of hard to pick um but uke night we did uke night this week that's what it was was it this week let me look at my calendar oh ukulele Corey bought a ukulele. (laughs) I saw on his Facebook. Yes. So this week on Wednesday, it was uh, ukulele night. So that's always fun. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy that. They do ukulele night the second Wednesday of every month down Mm -hmm. at the Green Parrot. That's always fun. Um, So it's good. And something I'm looking forward to this coming week is just really being at iCast in Orlando. That's going to be so fun. I'm going to learn so much about fishing and get so many free things. Yeah, conference, conferences what? are fun. I like conferences. Yeah. This is my first one, really. I haven't been to any other conferences, but I'm betting that I'm going to take away at least five koozies from. Mm-hmm. You, you get some swag. You get, yeah, you get a lot of swag. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably going to walk away with so many koozies. I'm trying to get like some free fishing lures or at least like some more hooks. Yeah. But I'm uh, just going to take everything I can get and I'm going to bring it back. And uh, anything that. Um, my friends don't want i'm gonna give it to my dad so there you go yeah everyone wins get the free shit get yeah. the free shit super excited about that because just like 
being away from the keys will be nice mm-hmm. and like hotel is nice there's like a pool and a gym and yeah like, being around stores again like yeah. the girl <laughs> like the girl <laughs> like honestly I'm starting to think about it I was like oh man this is gonna be great because the girl I'm going with she was like we can get Chipotle yes. and Chick-fil-A and I'm like oh my god Chipotle I completely forgot about Chipotle I know Oh my and gosh. Yeah. I was telling her, I was like, I need some more like face cream for like my night skincare routine. So like if there's an Ulta around, I'm going to want to go in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take advantage. Like, so many stores. And then my old boss, um, when I used to work for FWC, she's going to come up from it's like an hour drive, I think, from where she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to come out. We're going to go to dinner one of the nights that I'm there. Yeah, And then the week after that, her family comes down to the Keys. And so I'm going to see her like two weeks in a row. It's going to be great. There you go. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. What what about you? Well, obviously, Hawaii, Maui was amazing. Um, Yeah. I was like, do I even need to ask? I was like, "Uh, Hawaii? Yeah. Um, But my brother is going to come. My brother and his girlfriend are going to come visit us um, in like a week. Yeah. Like, Love it. yeah. So I haven't seen him in, I guess, almost fuck, like 18 months now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Cause the COVID and shit. So, and I'm excited to meet his girlfriend and we're, I was going to ask if you've met her yet. I have not, but oh, um, yeah. yeah. And we're going to go up to Austin and like do a little nightlife. He wants to go to a soccer game. So we're going to do that. Um, and also, Corey and my birthday actually are coming up and Corey wants Corey's birthday 20th or sorry the 20th 21st okay yeah so we're literally like a week apart birthday wise that's how my brother and sister-in-law are too yeah so we're gonna do like a little joint um birthday birthday luau next weekend (laughs) oh wow you guys are really riding this Hawaii thing huh why not he's obsessed with passion fruit he wants to make my ties so we're like let's just do the whole damn thing (laughs) you guys are the cutest I love this (laughs) it's great we're annoying we love to host and we love like theme parties so we're gonna host too and I love theme parties too and you know what my parents did the other day that I thought was adorable Mm-hmm. uh Wimbledon was on mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so they had all of their tennis friends over in the morning because when Wimbledon was playing it was like 9 a.m here so they and, do a brunch and so they did a brunch at Wimbledon at their house and I was oh, like no. wait what what is that my mom was like oh like our friends are coming over and I'm making all these breakfast foods and we're gonna watch like Wimbledon and like hang out have mimosas and I'm like yes. why are you guys so fucking cute that's a, like that's awesome <laughs> But yeah, that. so we're gonna do a luau. We're gonna make like huli huli chicken and spam sushi, and it's gonna be a good time. <laughs> you guys are so cute. Get out of here. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I'm uh, looking forward to. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, good stuff. Pretty good month on the whole so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Things are looking up. Yeah. Um. So if our listeners um, wanted to send us in a story of their own survival um similar to my little mishap in maui um where can they send us that yeah you guys can check us out on instagram at mother nature will kill you podcast and then on twitter at m n 
WKY podcast or at Mother Nature Will Kill You podcast.com. Mm-hmm. Bada bing, bada boom. And if you don't want us to use your name, um, we will respect your privacy, of course, and we'll make up a dumb name for you. It'll be great. Um, Also, if you just want to send us like a, hey, I really like your podcast or hey, Jillian. Your podcast sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Or hey, Jillian, you don't know shit about the mechanics of space flight. Let me educate you on this topic. Here you go. Um. Please be nice, though. Okay. Yeah, we're sensitive. We're sen- I'm, I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Please be nice to me. Uh, <laughs> so you can also send that to us there. And um, you can listen to us on uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then also on our actual podcast page. You can listen yes. to us there, too. And if you listen to us on a um, platform that allows you to write a review, um, please write us a five-star review so we can basically get in the algorithms and hopefully start showing up on more people's um, pages. Um, And hopefully more people can start listening because I feel like this podcast, although it's very specific, um, a lot of people would be interested in it. Um, Yeah. So we just want to get it out there. For sure. Uh, that's one way you can do that without, you know, donating money or something like that. Yeah. Because I get it. We're all poor. We live in capitalist hell. So. <laughs> Help me. I'm poor. <laughs> all right. So I guess that's a wrap on this one. Um, Until next time, stay safe. But most of all, stay curious, explorers. See ya. Aloha. (laughs) Mahalo. (laughs) Mahalo. Yeah. (laughs) God, I'm that annoying girl now. (laughs) So it it means hello and goodbye. Oh my God. (laughs)